Shalom. Welcome to Between the River and the Ravens. I'm James. And I'm Lee. So glad that you are here. We hope that you're having a blessed week. It is Thursday, December 1st, 2022. We are officially at the last month, that holiday month, our most dreaded time of the year. <laughs> we sometimes find ourselves kind of hunkering down and just trying to stay away from all the holly jolly Christmas spirit. It's really pushed everywhere, the, the music in every store. If you're stuck in there too long, you'll be singing it in your head the rest of the day. And so a lot of times we find it safer to just do our own thing at home and try to avoid all of that, all the, the angry Christmas shoppers oh, and gosh, yes. everything else that goes along with that Christmas spirit. So um, we're, we're excited to bring this tonight. It's been quite a few years in the making. You know, we, I don't know when we stopped doing Christmas, but we have, we did Christmas for most of our lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once we found the truth out, our eyes were opened to the underlying things, the origins, we completely stopped it and cut it out of our lives. And so, you know, over the years, we have learned more and more history and things about it. And so this is just kind of a accumulation of that. We just wanted to give a, a brief synopsis of what we've learned. There's plenty more out there for you to do your own research, but we just want to open the eyes and ears. Maybe some of you are not aware of these things, uh, the darkness that looms underneath the the rosy cheeks of Santa Claus. So oh, right. Well, hi, everybody. We're glad everyone's here. There's Shell, Levy's sister, and Tammy, and Lisa, and Alan, and Betty. Great to see everybody. So glad all of you are here with us. And yes, I think it's been, this will be our either second or third Christmas that we've not done Christmas. Uh, our eyes were fully opened immediately after a Christmas, I want to say. One day we realized we were sitting in the dark staring at our lit up Christmas tree and I it hit me what an idol it was sitting in the middle of our living room and that we had been sitting there in the dark for hours just staring at it. And I realized now Christmas, you know, and the spirits of Christmas are real. Um, we had to go out today briefly to get a few things. We had to run in several stores and the Christmas spirit. A lot of people say it's cheerful, but it's not. Uh, you see it out there and people are hateful. They want in where you're at. They want to look at what you're looking at. It's just really icky when you get into when they're in doing their shopping and whatnot. And, and it's everywhere. The, there's nothing humble about this holiday. There's nothing in it that screams to me the, the spirit or the Ruach of Messiah or anything that he ever taught us of how our walk should be. And, and also I wanted to add about those lights on the trees and sitting in the dark that we realized that was a lot of false light, right? And we'll get into light here in a little bit. Um, hi, Regina. Glad to see you. 
Yeah, anybody that works in retail. Oh yeah, Fred Meyer. Know, see it every ugly. We do pray for you because line. it's a, a month. I, I spent many years working in retail, and Oof, I mean, I never got to see you. It's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sixty-hour work weeks usually, and then yeah. you're stuck listening to the same awful Christmas music on repeat. Right. You really start to lose your mind, and so that was actually <laughs> while I still did Christmas, and I <laughs> wanted to pull it. my hair out. So. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's one of those things where, you know, you can really see and feel the the greediness in it, you know, with oh. the, the presents and I want this and I want that. And we've just all been brought up, you know, uh, generation after generation has been brought up in this tradition. And so we're here to hopefully shed some light on it so you can break that tradition of man right. uh, and find out what it really is and where it really came from. Well, let's get into it. There's a lot in here. Oh, I already had that yeah. added. Let me get there. We go. So, tis the season for spirits. Right. You know, there's all kinds of spirits involves uh, involved in the the holiday season here. Not the holy days. This is the holly days, exactly, right? There's yeah. a difference. <laughs> there is. Hey, here he is with his. Uh, horn full of alcohol, which is always fuels these uh, celebrations. Um, see the star, you see all the gold and the glitter and the lights, the false lights. Here it is. Hi, Beck. Yes, it is a struggle. struggle. <laughs> the salutations that we are so used to saying, right, right. Exactly. You know, and anybody that has come out of this tradition, they know the struggle that it was, you know, not only, you know, receiving gifts and spending time with family. There's a lot of memories built into this holiday that, you know, have been joyous. Traditions, and, family know, traditions. And that's why people exactly. don't want to let it go. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've had, we've been told that it's my thing. Christmas is my thing. It's a family tradition. We need the tradition. My thing is, if you want a good family tradition, you've got every Shabbat where you can have a meal with your family, play board games. You know, if you want to light a candle on your table while you're eating, enjoy your Shabbat. Make it something about the true light of Yah, not this not this false light. And we'll get into why they needed so much of this false light, right? So anybody coming out or has come out of this tradition, they know people's claws come out when it comes to cutting out Christmas. You know, it's to me, it was Christmas and not eating bacon are the two subjects, the two things that people just stare at you like you're from another planet. <laughs> You've and lost so, your mind. You know, you're this, freaking them out. This one definitely wasn't necessarily a struggle for us to give up. It was not. But it was a struggle for all the repercussions from our, our family right. and friends, uh, just not understanding at times. And, you know, it slowly is improving, but it's still a hard thing to overcome. And it's that's why hard. we kind of just settle down and get cozy at our home and try to wait it out <laughs> until the, the new year. So Right. And it is hard. We love our family and friends still the same. We would love to see them. We just don't want to participate in pagan holidays. And that doesn't mean that we're anything to freak you out. We're not 
in a cult. We're just literally trying to follow the father's words. That's it. Nothing added to, nothing taken away, period. That's all we're doing. That's it. And everybody wakes up at a different time. And so it may have not been your time yet, but, you know, by having this information given to you, you know, you may start to question things. And we just, that's our, our goal and prayer is that right. we can open some new eyes because our eyes were shut too at they one were. point. And so it's made such a difference. And to walk that narrow path really does, you know, there has to be some set apart and, you know, persecution. And that's going to come if right. you decide to cut Christmas out of your life. Right, right. I would have loved to have had uh, something like this that would have not only told me uh, shine a light on the origins, but give me the scripture in one place. So that's what we wanted to do with this. We're putting together um, the what the holidays are and the scripture that is against it, you know, and, and the scripture that shows you uh, what we are, what Ruach we are to have. So let's. Yeah, let's I like get this comment it. from Betty. This may not be the best thing to start out saying <laughs> what not to say. Happy pagan holiday to you too. Yeah. You know, we come out of it in love. You know, we don't shame anybody. We just want to be a light and an example and hope that other people may decide to follow in our steps because we weren't the first to do it. We had an example set for us. And right. so we just want to be that example for someone else. Right. And we have all the instructions in our Bible that that tells us how we're to keep feast um, and what days are holy set apart days, the Kodesh days, right? The Moedim. All you got to do is read your Bible and realize when he says, don't add to this, don't take away. That means that. And that's that's how we're to live. If you truly want to live and walk life out like Messiah gave us an example, then let's do that. Let's just do that. All right. So we always like to start with some scripture and end with some scripture. You know, we do pray. We have prayed over this presentation. Mm -hmm. We suggest doing the same because, you know, there's a lot of darkness involved mm -hmm. with this topic. Uh, if you're still participating in it, it can be something hard to swallow and hard to accept. And so there's a lot of things uh, needed to be prayed over. And, you know, the scripture, like Lee was saying, shows us how to live out a righteous life, what is expected and what not to do. And so we just always need to look into the scripture first because it will not lead us astray like so many of these man-made traditions have. Right. Protect yourself. Right. Anytime you watch anything, it doesn't matter if it's us or any other ministry or anything. You should always be mindful that you you pray um, protection over yourself because there's a lot out there that could influence you and and not be good. So let's, James, read us some Romans. Yeah, so this is going to be in Romans 12, a living sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto Elohim, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of Elohim. The gifts of grace. For I say, 
through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as Elohim has dwelt, dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Mashiach, and every one member and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the appropriation of faith, or ministry let us wait on our ministering, or he that teaches on teaching, or he that extorts on exhortation, he that gives let him do it with simplicity, he that rules with diligence, he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. I love being reminded of this, how important it is that we be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. We know where that comes from. I wanted these words spoke and over us today. We each have a role and he's saying here, each one of our roles is equally important. We're each equally important within the body. So this information that we're giving is, is designed in a way where you can share it with your friends and family that may be on the fence about this because the the call to come out of Mitzrayim is to everyone and we should be we should be trying our best. You don't have to beat anyone over the head with it. This is with love and care and honest concern because I, someone took the time to put something out there that opened my eyes. So that is what each of us are commissioned to do. And I'd like to say, welcome, Eric. We're glad to see that you are here. Amanda. I oh, it's Amanda. Amanda. Yeah, good to see you. You know, it's there's so much evidence out there. It's not like this is hokey pokey, you know, controversial, or it is controversial, but it's, you know, not a conspiracy theory. There is so it's much <laughs> evidence that this is a pagan holiday from thousands of years ago. And it has really just been adopted and refurbished you know, exactly and repackaged by many and... different countries. And then I'd say America really topped it off and oh, created yeah. that Christmas tradition not that long ago. So um, don't give it away. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Sorry. <laughs> getting excited you do so christmas comes from both pagan and roman cultures um not surprising romans actually celebrated two holidays in december there was saturnalia which was the two-week festival to their god of agriculture saturn on december 25th they celebrated the birth of mithra their sun god I've also read the celebration was to the god Sol Invictus, which is the same, the sun god. So both celebrations were raucous or raucous, drunken parties. Also in December, when the darkest day of the year falls, the pagan cultures lit bonfires and candles to keep the darkness at bay. And the Romans also incorporated this tradition into their own celebrations. And this is what I was talking about, that false light. We have a true light. They were creating this false light uh, within the darkness. And isn't that funny that they, they think that they're keeping the darkness at bay using a false light? And how fitting. 
because Hasatan comes uh, as a as a light, right? So Christianity spread across Europe and the Christian clergy were not able to stop the pagan customs and traditions. So the Christian clergy realized if you can't beat them, just join them. So we'll just incorporate this into something we can all do together. No one thought what harm that could be. <laughs> I mean, what it's, were they it's, reading? It's such a shame that really the two most religious days, the, the two days of the year where just about everybody goes to church, Easter and, and Christmas are two of the most debaucherous days of all in, in uh, recorded history. What a trick. Um, you know, we probably don't even really know the extent of how crazy and oh, sinful the, the partying was back then. And to cover it up with the birth of Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. is just, it's a shame. It really is. It really is. So I got this from, and I put the, the link up here for you. And it was a wonderful, there was a lot of good facts there uh, that helped me pull out everything I wanted to bring. So early Christians would have freely shared in the good times of these pagan festivals as a Christian scribe would write several centuries later. And this is what that, that scribe said. It was a custom of the pagans to celebrate on the same day, December 25th, the birthday of the sun, at which they kindled lights in token of festivity in these solemnities, solemnities, you know, you can read it, and revelries. The Christians also took part. Of course they did. It's a big party, right? Less than a century later, Pope Julius I officially established that same date as, you guessed it, Christ's birthday, conveniently appropriating the existing pagan shenanigans as a key Christian date. Wow. Just pull that out of nowhere. We know, you know, there's several ideas or uh, time frames out there when Yahusha or Messiah was born. Uh, I tend to lean towards the September, around September 11th one. We don't know. And if we were supposed to know, Yahusha would have told us. Messiah would have told us and he would have said, pay attention to this. Or the father would have told us and he would say, you know, I want you to keep this as a feast. But guess what? That's not in there. It's not in our Bible. It's not anywhere. It's not in the Torah. It's not in the prophets. It's not in the New Testament. You won't find it. No one says, this is what I want you to do. Yeah, I liked how you were saying earlier, you know, I think there's a reason we don't know the day because people would have made such a big deal. They would turned have them into an turned idol, that day into an idol, which they have bigger than even Christmas. You know, that has really been covered up as the day. And we can see how much has come from just that false date. But if we mm -hmm. truly knew the day of his birth, it could have been really disastrous. So I do believe there's a reason. Well, I think they've already done that with know. this. Yeah. You know, making it up that way mm -hmm. because when I was little, I thought that was his birthday. Sure. That's what I was told. No one said we think, or we've decided to celebrate it on that day. No, no, no. I was told that's his day. That's his birthday. And wow, that's not right or fair to say that. And it goes back to, 
if the tradition you're keeping or the festival or celebration in honor of our Yah, of our Father or of our Messiah, if doing that makes you have to lie to your children, should you really be doing that? You know, should you have to lie to your children to say Santa's going to go around the world tonight and one night and give everyone presents, but yet the children down the street whose parents don't have enough money are not, he's not going to go there. So don't even get me started on that. That's a lie. You can't, you shouldn't lie to your children because when you start with telling them one little lie, they won't ever trust you again. My good friend Shell told me that story that she just felt when she found out that was a lie, she she lost a little bit of trust. And that's true. If we want our children to be truthful, we must be truthful to them, period. I'll get off my soapbox. Don't that. get started. I know. I know. So uh, Germanic and Nordic people also kept a Viking festival or a Yule. Yuletide greetings. There you go. To encourage optimism and good luck in the dead of winter. See, they were so scared when winter came. They didn't have you in their lives and they were terrified. Everything's dead. Will it come back? It's cold. It's dark. So they had to do this to give themselves some optimism instead of going to the word of Yah or going to the father, you know. So the best known Viking sagas, the Haakon, 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 the good, the 10th century king of Norway deliberately used the Yule celebrations to smuggle in the Christian faith. The Yule log of Norway deliberately used the Yule. Cel oh, did I read that? The Yule log burned on the fire for good luck. I know we all have heard about that. The Yule log and Yule tide greetings. Um, there you go. Uh, having been raised as a Christian in England, Hakan practiced his religion in secret because the land was altogether heathen and much idolatry prevailed. However, he established in the laws that the Yule celebration was to take place at the same time as is the custom with the Christians. In other words, turning it from a solstice festival into a celebration of Jesus. The saga goes on to say that before that, Yule was celebrated on midwinter night and that the king coaxed those who were dearest to him into becoming Christians. Wow. And here we had found, I had just found scourging through these three uh, head pieces are busts are actually ancient Roman hats that they wore during their festival times. Saturnalia, the Saturnalia hat, hat um, or the Invi Sol Invictus. And you'll see they strangely look like uh, Santa Claus's hat. And the one on the right, that's the, the, like the first one on the right, he actually has a, what looks like a Christmas tree on his head. And that's from ancient Rome, Roman busts that are, that are in, um, I think they're in a gallery somewhere in Rome, but it was just interesting to me. Those are all Santa hats, right? That's this melding together of these traditions. They just fit it all together in a neat little box. And then you see here uh, the Christmas tree at the top. Do you want to read those? Can you see those? Yeah, I mean, everything, me? everything that we 
have in a Christmas celebration has been adopted from an earlier tradition centuries ago. Just you know, repackaged. The mistletoe, the, the tree, the gifts, even the angel on top, the Yule log, all of it has a different meaning. Mm -hmm. You know, the tree itself is a fertility symbol. You know, right. do people tell you that about your Christmas tree? <laughs> you just don't know these things. Mistletoe was used in a, a also the pagan a fertility, fertility ritual. Ritual, mm -hmm. and we'll, I think we have a slide about that. The gifts are Babylonian. Um, then you see the Yule log. We went over that. The lights and baubles as a Roman Saturnalia tradition. Wow. So Ooh. we've all heard the stories of mistletoe and how you're supposed to use it, you know, to get a, a good luck kiss. Uh, but there's a much deeper origin to it. So we wanted to share that as well. Mistletoe is another emblematic reminder of the pre-Christian traditions of the region. This parasitic plant is an unlikely symbol of romance and Christmas courtship today, and its importance in winter festivities is said to stem back to a Norse myth involving the infamous trickster god Loki. As the story goes, another god called Baldar was driven to paranoia by visions of his own death. His mother, the goddess Frigg, made every earthly object vow never to harm him. As a result, Balder became known for his invincibility until Loki, until Loki turned up and fashioned a weapon out of mistletoe, the one thing which hadn't made the vow. Balder was killed and Frigg's tears of woe were caught on the mistletoe's branches, turning into the white pearl-like berries symbolizing her love for him. Remember that story for the next time you find yourself stuck making awkward, flirtatious small talk underneath a clump of mistletoe at a party. <laughs> That'll ruin the mood. And and wasn't the name Friday taken from Frigga? Yeah. yeah. Most of our days of the week are our from Norse, gods. Norse origin as well. Yeah. Just another deception and lie that, you know, you don't find out. Nobody teaches that in school or church, anywhere, you know, you really have to find and dig on your own to get this kind of information because it is suppressed. So another very common practice and tradition is the tree worship. European pagans use branches of evergreen tree to brighten their homes and spirit during the winter solstice. Early Romans decorated temples with evergreen trees during the festival of Saturnalia, and Egyptians used palm rushes as part of their worship of the sun god Ra. Mm -hmm. And here is just a cave painting, uh, <laughs> a cave painting showing the worship of trees. I mean, some of the first civilization probably in these drawings here, as you can Thousands see. Thousands of years. Yeah, this was the oldest cave painting. I, I wish I'd have copied what the date was. That's so cool. But, you know, the pine tree, the evergreen tree, was really the only thing that survived through the winter, mm -hmm. those cold, harsh temperatures. So, of course, they thought something special of this tree, that it had uh, uh, you know, uniqueness. And that's why they had decided to use this tree for their 
worship and their festivities. And these are just some other ancient carvings, ancient drawings. Egyptian reliefs, and then the drawings below. And I believe they the the one on the left lower of the tree is a Babylonian. Is a Babylonian. So you've got the two different, and I think somebody did, it says here, mural from the tomb of Roy. The tree on the left is the original artwork. So that is the one that's like the, the paler bluish color. That's the original artwork. And I guess someone just. They're just showing the similarity between the similarity a between modern that. day Christmas tree mm -hmm. and what the Egyptians of thousands of years ago did as well. Right. So it's not and a I think Christmas that's Sumerian tradition. on the top left is Sumerian with the tree. Very interesting. Interesting comment. That here. is, that is very good. I've been wondering if we get the word evergreen from the many scripture references of every, every green, green tree, tree on high places. I'll have to look into that. That's that's pretty cool. So if you're unsure about the whole Christmas tree, this verse did it for us. This is all we needed to hear to realize that even in scripture, it says that you should not have a Christmas tree in your home. In Jeremiah 10, verse 1 through 5, Hear ye the word which Yahweh speaks unto you, O house of Yasharel. Thus says Yahuwah, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cuts a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold, they fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. They must need be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is it in them to do good. Right. And often when you bring this up or if you use this uh, to explain your reasoning, someone might say to you that that's Old Testament and it's the Old Covenant. Well, I would beg to differ because you can research how many times uh, Paul quoted Jeremiah or any of the other um, disciples quoting prophets. or prophets uh, quoting Jeremiah. It's a, easy to do a quick search on that and you can get a whole list of how many times Jeremiah was quoted in the Besorah. And if you throw any one of those out, you're taking away from, right? You're not to add to or take away from. So that's yeah, my defense to, of that. You, you don't get to pick, pick or and choose. choose. Yeah. You know, and I've, I, I meant to look up this scripture. I believe it is a scripture, maybe in one of the hidden books, but I wanted to say that it may be even referring to the second coming where the evergreen trees will literally sing out a song of joy because they be know down. that they won't ever have to be cut down again. And that was just very powerful when I heard that. I yeah. was like, wow. I think that is one of the, in one of the extra books. Yeah, we'll have to do some research on out. that. Mm -hmm. 
So St. Nicholas, oh, St. Nicholas, I have an issue with you. <laughs> Inspired by St. Nicholas, this Christmas tradition has Christian roots rather than pagan ones. Born in southern Turkey around 280, he was a bishop in the early Christian church and suffered persecution and imprisonment for his faith. Coming from a wealthy family, he was renowned for his generosity towards the poor and disenfranchised. The legends surrounding him around abound, but the most famous is how he saved three daughters from being sold into slavery. There, there was no dowry to entice a man to marry them, so it was their father's last resort. St. Nicholas is said to have tossed gold through an open window into the home, thus saving them from their fate. Legend has it that the gold landed in a sock drying by the fire. So children started hanging stockings by their fires in hope St. Nicholas would toss gifts into them. In honor of his passing, December 6th was declared St. Nicholas Day. As time went on, each European culture adopted versions of St. Nicholas. In Swiss and German cultures, Christ kind or Christ, Chris Kringle, Christ child, accompanied St. Nicholas to deliver his presents to well-behaved children. Jultimenten was a happy elf delivering gifts via a sleigh drawn by goats in Sweden. That's interesting. Then there was Father Christmas in England and Père Noël in France. In the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Lorraine, France, and parts of Germany, he was known as Sinterklaas. Klaas, for the record, is a shortened version of the name Nicholas. This is where the Americanized Santa Claus comes from. So definitely been around a while, but it wasn't <laughs> not a an American thing that was started here. It has lots of deeper origins from years past. Right. Now, the other side Oof. of St. Nicholas is Krampus. You've kind of got the good and then the bad. Uh, and so, obviously, if you were a good boy or girl, Throughout the year, St. Nicholas would come and give you gifts. If you were a bad child, Krampus would come see you. And so we all know those famous Christmas songs, you know, uh, really enticing children to be good all year long or you'll end up with a clump of coal. Well, I'd say Krampus is a lot worse than yeah, a clump of coal. Yeah, look at this thing. This is terrifying. He is straight. I didn't even like this picture being Yeah, straight here. from hell. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, early in December, children in Austria get ready for St. Nicholas to visit them. If they've been good, he'll reward them with presents and treats. But if they've been bad, they'll get a lot more than a lump of coal. They'll have to face Krampus. So who is Krampus? He's the half man, half goat who comes around every year to chase naughty children and maybe even drag them to hell. Isn't the Baphomet half yeah, man? Yeah, I half mean, goat? that's exactly wow. what I think of is the Baphomet. Mm. Uh, let's see. The European versions of St. Nicholas have long had scary counterparts like these two guys who uh, dole out their punishment. 
Krampus is one such character who comes from folklore in Austria's Alpine region, where he's been frightening children and amusing adults for hundreds of years. You know, folklore. Santa Claus is folklore. You know, there is no difference between the two. This isn't a just because you can go visit the guy in the, the local mall and get your picture taken doesn't mean he's a real person. He is a made up fictional character, supposedly just like these guys. And you're lying to your kids when you take him in there to say that Santa. <laughs> so Krampus and St. Nick's other bad boys have their origins in pagan celebrations of the winter solstice. Later, they became part of Christian tradition in which St. Nicholas visited children to reward them on December 5th or 6th. Around that time, his menacing partner would also visit kids to punish them. In Alpine Austria and some parts of Germany, this day was known as Krampusnacht or Krampus Night. <laughs> it's a scary word even. It is. So this is when adults might dress up as Krampus to frighten children at their homes. Why would you want to do that? Because they're bribing kids to act good, you oh know, to, goodness, to not be disobedient. So children might have also seen Krampus running through the streets during this time. <laughs> Literally a Krampus run is where that comes from. And he, it was a way to scare kids into behaving. Wow. Um. It wasn't necessarily tied to any specific day, but obviously started in that first week of December. And this was a way for grown men to blow off steam while probably still scaring kids. The, the men would also get drunk and run through the streets dressed as this fearsome creature. If this, I was a kid, I wouldn't want to be a part of that. No, I mean, and you should check out some videos on YouTube of this festival, this Krampus run Below, you can see a picture of, you know, hundreds of these demon creatures, you know, drinking, partying it up, trying to scare kids. I don't know why you would even bring your kid to one of these if you were a parent, but it is a tradition that's gone on for hundreds of years. And as you can see, you know, Santa carries around presents in his bag. Well, Krampus carries around children that he's, he's going to eat or take to hell or who knows what. So uh, it's just such a sick, sinister twist that we have put on this tradition, you know, and made Santa all friendly and jolly. But really, this is where many of those traditions stem from. Right. And put the little baby Jesus manger's nativity set next to the Santa in your yard. So here I wanted to touch on also the parts that we took from Odin to make Santa. So these are the, the lists that match between Santa and Odin. So with Santa Claus, he flies around in December for Christmas to bring the gifts to the good children. You see him over here on the right with his robes on and the white beard and the presents. He has eight tiny reindeer pulling his sleigh, or eight reindeer. I, that's actually from the song. It just popped out. <laughs> Is the most visually iconic figure of Christmas, symbolizing giving joy and peace. Keep that in mind. That is the most visually iconic picture of, of Christmas. 
So before Coca-Cola popularized the jolly jiggly Santa we all know today, Santa was depicted thin as often as chubby and usually donned in brown, blue, or red robes. See that? And he has elves who make the toys for children. Okay. And sometimes referred to as Father, Father Christmas. Call no man Father other than our Father. And that's another thing we need to think about. So Odin, also called the All Father, again, there you go. He flew around in December as well for Yuletide to head off the wild hunt. He knew who had been bad and good and hunted down or abducted those who deserved it. Abducted. He had an eight-legged horse, Sleepner, that pulled his sleigh. Was the most iconic figure of the Yuletide, a holiday that celebrated hospitality, feasting, and gift-giving. Is often depicted wearing either blue or brown robes. Elves and dwarves. Christmas elves seem to be an imagination of the two originating from Norse mythology and are known as amazing creators. He was referred to as a Yule father. And then on the right below, you see uh, just like Betty here, the green man who the Wiccans worship. That's that's him. And then on the right is what we consider Father Christmas. He's just been altered, y'all. He They've just taken that Wiccan symbol, that pagan Wiccan symbol, and they have altered it and repackaged it and fed it to us. And it only took, uh, what, four generations to get us all in line with doing this? Four or five generations to forget that this was... Wiccan, pagan, you know. Well, after hearing how Odin and Krampus goes around and kidnaps kids, to me, it feels like Coca-Cola realized we're not going to be able to sell our product with this scary guy creature kidnapping kids. So we need to jolly him up, make him give out gifts so everybody can feel safe and warm and fuzzy around him. And so it's just a twist and a manipulation is all it was. It's a false light. That's what it is. Is this me or you? I'll go. Okay. So this is, now we're going to get more into Christmas in America and where it came from when it started and why we see it so rampant today. Christmas in early America was a mixed bag. Many with Puritan beliefs banned Christmas because of its pagan origins and its racist nature nature of the celebrations. Other immigrants arriving from Europe continued with the customs of their homelands. The Dutch brought Sinterklaas with them to New York in the 1600s The Germans brought their tree traditions in the 1700s. It wasn't until the 19th century that Americans began to embrace Christmas. Americans reinvented Christmas and changed it from a raucous carnival holiday into a family-centered day of peace and nostalgia. St. Nicholas first entered American popular culture in the late 18th century 
in New York when Dutch families gathered to honor the anniversary of the death of St. Nicholas, the Dutch for St. Nicholas, or Sinterklaas for short. And that's where we get Santa Claus, draws his name from this abbreviation. So another thing, mourning the death of this, this character, it was really just a, a memorial uh, for this past figure. Well, it's, and a saint, saint Nicholas exactly. is a saint, a Catholic yeah, saint true. that they pray to, saint. So the magazine Harper's Weekly published what's thought to be the first illustration depicting modern Santa in the 1860s. Though he originally wore green robes and had associations with the green man of legend who ruled the woods and the forest in pagan beliefs. That's what Betty was talking about there. You know, just like those two guys we showed here at the very bottom, you know. Very forest-like creature, old man winter, maybe is a, a name that he's been called. So before 1931, there were many different depictions of Santa Claus around the world, including a tall gaunt man and an elf. There was even a scary Claus, Krampus. But in 1931, Coca-Cola commissioned illustrator Hadan Sunbloom to paint Santa for Christmas advertisements. And that has been the Santa we've had ever since. And how many people try to look like him, you know, oh, yeah. throughout the years. I know my beard's getting there a little bit, especially the white, but uh, hopefully the belly doesn't come next. <laughs> so here's some more Christmas facts. Uh, you know, I love the facts. So each year, 30 to 35 million real Christmas trees are sold in the United States alone. There are about 21,000 Christmas tree growers in the United States, and trees usually grow for about 15 years before they're sold. That's a lot. In the Middle Ages, Christmas celebrations were rowdy and raucous, a lot like today's Mardi Gras parties. That's exactly what it was like when Christmas was canceled. From 1659 to 1681, the celebration of Christmas was outlawed in Boston and lawbreakers were fined five shillings. True story. You can look it up. Christmas was declared a federal holiday in the United States on June 26, 1870. So this is very interesting uh, and I've heard this before, doing a lot of deep diving into it. You'll you'll be able to see this as well. Christmas had all but died out when, at the time of Charles Dickens. So at the time Dickens wrote his time-honored little Christmas book, the celebration of Christmas was in decline. The medieval Christmas traditions, which were based on the ancient Roman festival of Saturnalia, which we have gone over as a pagan celebration for the Roman god of agriculture, and the Germanic winter festival of Yule, had come under intense scrutiny by the Puritans under Oliver Cromwell, who sought to purify the Church of England by stripping out pagan celebrations and superstitions. So the Industrial Revolution allowed workers little time for the celebration of Christmas. An undercurrent of the old Christmas traditions was being kept alive mainly in rural areas and by authors that were writing these books like Thomas 
Hervey, the Book of Christmas, and Washington Irving, and the later being an influence and a later friend of Charles Dickens. So Charles Dickens writes this book. And if you dig into it, you know, he really wasn't doing very well until he wrote this book. Um, the revival of Christmas during the first one half of the 19th century was further sparked by young Queen Victoria, whose husband, Albert, was from Germany, where the Puritan influence had not eroded Christmas tradition. It was Albert who introduced the Christmas tree to Windsor Castle. The first Christmas card appeared in the 1840s. It has been said that Charles Dickens invented Christmas. This, of course, is not true. It is more correct to say that with his 1843 masterpiece, A Christmas Carol, he reinvented Christmas. And this kind of sounds like uh, some religious groups will say, yeah, we Christianized it, the pagan holiday. Well, let's see about that. So the book is centered around Ebenezer Scrooge being visited by spirits or ghosts of Christmas. First visited by the ghost of Jacob Marley, his friend, and then the ghost of Christmas present, past, and future. All of these are ghosts that they're talking to. So while the true origins of the term, oh, this is yours. Sorry. Shell's got a good comment here too. Before Hollywood, the authors would have been the influencers of the day. Exactly. And everyone was all about, you know, getting the new book, getting the new, um, they were like magazines, like short little periodicals, uh, little hand magazines that they would give out with short stories in them. And honestly, the Christmas Carol saved Charles Dickens' career because he was not doing very well in the writing department before that. Yeah, we don't think about it because we haven't lived in a time where there wasn't music on the radio or yeah. movies on the screen. But, you know, before there were movie stars, there were book stars, there authors. Was. So mm -hmm. that's that's a great point. So while the true origins of the term spirit might be a bit of a mystery, one thing is for sure. The phrase goes far back in history. Many believe that the term dates back all the way to the 4th CE BC. Others claim that the word alcohol originated from the Middle East. The term consisted of the prefix el, all, all yeah. which is undoubtedly Arabic. But there is, a, there is some debate as to whether the full term was alcohol or algal. If the term did in fact come from the phrase algal, the link would be a very straightforward way to explain the etymology. That is because algal means spirit in Arabic. It is referenced in the Quran, Quran. Quran in verse 3747, which uses algal to describe a demon that produces a sense of intoxications. That's very interesting that, that the most famous Christmas book out there is about evoking and, and speaking to these ghosts. These And we know that ghosts are demons, right? And that in all the revelries from the beginning to now, 
this holiday season is based on what it's based on the spirits, the alcohol there's, that's always part of it. Champagne, wine, drinks. And you hear about what goes on at office Christmas parties. One would say that's being under the influence of a demon of a, of a spirit of this intoxication of that. This demon brings on. So, like we said, we're going to finish up with some verses. We just feel like it's a good way to round it all out. And these verses are going to describe the importance of refraining from the spirits, from uh, the divinations, all those practices of sorcery uh, that, you know, yeah, it might not be called or thought of as witchcraft, but there's so many things that have been, you know, oh, it was rich crap. Well, back I'm in saying the day. Yeah. exactly, but things that people do today that are still considered witchcraft, although you may not think of it that way. Right. Of course, people don't want it to look like that, but it really still is. But they're still participating in that same pagan festival. Exactly, you're still participating in it. So the Torah warns against consulting with mediums and psychic in several instances. Here are five passages that give a clear picture of Yahuwah's point of view. In the first, we learn that believers are defiled by turning to spirits. Leviticus 19.31 Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am Yahuwah Elohim. Speaking to the dead was a capital offense punishable by stoning under the Torah. Leviticus 20, 27. A man also or woman that has a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So Yahuwah considers talking to the dead a detestable practice. He calls his people to be blameless. In Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 13. There shall not be found among you anyone that makes his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that uses divination or one that practices sorcery or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto Yahuwah. And because of these abominations, Yahuwah Elaheka drives them out from before you. You shall be perfect with Yahuwah Elaheka. So consulting the dead was a serious sin that cost King Saul his life. In second, first. Uh, I'm sorry, in First Corinthians 10, 13 through 14. So Saul died for his transgression. Ter sorry, transgressions, which he committed against Yahuwah, even against the word of Yahuwah, which he did not guard, and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it, and inquired not of Yahuwah. Therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto David, the son of Yeshai. Mm -hmm. That was First Chronicles, sorry, right? Sorry, First Chronicles, yeah. 
So King Manasseh provoked Yahuwah's anger by practicing sorcery and consulting mediums. King Manasseh sacrificed his sons in the fire in the valley of Hinnom, practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and consulted mediums and spirits. He did much evil in the eyes of Yahuwah, provoking him to anger. In 2 Chronicles 33, 6, And he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. I think we just read this. Yeah, we did read that. Ah, did I add it in twice? Yeah. So his spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars. Those consciences have been seared as that with a hot iron. In 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now the Ruach speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing Rukoth, the doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 20 through 22. But I say that the things which the other nations sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to Elohim. And I would not that he should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of Yah and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of Yahweh's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke Yahweh to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And in 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 14, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Mashiach. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Wow. You can't have one foot in one camp and one in the other. It just doesn't work that way. You know, and the whole concept of Santa being mystical and magical and, you know, it, it just ties into all that witchcraft. It's just being covered up by candy, you know, reindeer presents. presents and all those things that have been modernized in our American Christmas. To, to bring the false light into your house rather than the light, the true light of Messiah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to end with. What Ruach should we be entertaining? There's a lot of spirits with this season, but there truly is a spirit, a Ruach that should be with us all the time. And it's the Ruach HaKodesh. And in John 14, 24 through 27, he that loves me not guards, not my words. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Ruach HaKodesh, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And one thing I've come to realize is it's impossible for that Ruach to be within you and help you if you're also participating in things 
that are against our father, that are not his words, not his commands he has spoken, that are associated and stem from these pagan beliefs and worship. And John 15, or wait, John 14, 26, which I did read that. Did I read the 14, 27? So John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 15, 26 and 27, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the father, the Ruach Emeth, which proceeds from the father, he shall testify of me. That's the, the Ruach, the truth. And ye shall also, and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. John 16, 13 and 14. How be it when he, the Ruach Emeth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. That's our Ruach. That's the Ruach we are to entertain. That's the Ruach that we have as our comforter. And that's all we need. You don't need a false light. You don't need the gold and the glitter. You don't need to make yourself in debt. You know, it's all a, a process that Hasatan wants people to fall prey to because I have never had a Christmas holiday where there wasn't someone mad, upset, crying, angry, uh, all of the emotions that we shouldn't have absolutely uh, was so stressful and hard to have enough money. And then when you get stuff and people don't like it, like there was never a good Ruach within any of those celebrations. After the fact, people are in debt. Um, and it's just awful. The stress and struggle that are put on these young families to think that the only way they can show love to their child is to buy a bunch of stuff that they don't need and are going to be broken in like two weeks. Um, and then they're going to be paying off credit card bills for the next however long it takes, how far you put yourself into debt. Yah would never want us to do that. That is not anything that he teaches us. That is not the true light. You know, the true light is walking in, in humbleness. Um, Betty says more suicide committed during this time. Working in the ER, I can tell you uh, those years ago, I did notice a lot of people that came in um, either that were in a, a mental health crisis or that type situation. It is a dark time because not everyone has family. Not everyone has money. It's a lot of stress. Let's just say it's a lot of stress put on parents, especially young families that are barely getting by right now in this day and age where inflation is so out of control um, food is ridiculous. Like Christmas this year, uh, if we had all my children still and we were trying to feed everyone, it would be food. We would be eat. That would be Christmas. I'm, I don't know how anyone's doing it other than signing their life away to go in debt. And it's not worth it, especially when you're doing it for a false light, a false messiah it, it's not about him you know people say keep christ in christmas i'm telling you messiah is not there 
I don't know what you're keeping there, but it's not our it's not our Yahweh, it's not our Messiah, it's not him. Well, you can tell that it's become more than that. You know, there's all kinds of countries, all kinds of religions, even atheists oh, yeah. celebrating this most popular holiday Christian of all. Holiday and, you and know, so it's not about Christ. It never was, but that should give you an understanding that there is an ulterior motive to this. And it it's is. really about getting things, you know, get making that wish list of, you know, all these toys and it's just, the it desires, goes on and on. The it's, it's all about the fleshly desires. It is. It is. If I could just get this, I'll be happy. If I can just get that, like they're going to, you're going to walk out to Santa Claus going to bring you a Corvette with a big bow on it. Uh -uh. Yeah, you, Santa no. doesn't deliver Lexuses <laughs> with a giant red bow in your driveway. So don't let them trick you into thinking that. No. This is a good comment from Amanda here. It's interesting too. the name picked for Scrooge Ebenezer. What a way to call out the Puritan believers. That's true. That's a good point. I was going to mention uh, some of you may have seen it's been going around here lately. The new Santa Claus movie with uh. Tim Allen. There's apparently a scene where all of his little elf children are holding up signs, I guess, to welcome him back or something. And it says, we love Satan. We love you, Satan. We love you, Satan. And of, so course, of course, the name rearranged. But it is subliminal and it's intentional. It's not on it, accident. It is. It's so and it's just, it's brainwashing the children. Like we said, you know, it's a tradition that's passed on. You know, the parents pass it on to their children and they grow up and then they pass it on. And so it's just a giant lie that we need to break. We need to expose and, you know, unfortunately, it's something we just don't need to have. Not unfortunately, but it's something we don't need in our lives. Yeah. And so many people are holding on to that because all those memories that they have had growing up. And so we're just trying to expose it for what it is. We do hope this was a valuable I love chocolate and I love presents, but I don't love Satan. I don't love pagan. I don't need to need to be part of that to get a present or have some chocolate. And I definitely am at a point in my life when I realize there's so much more to a humble life. There's more of a a complete feeling that that you just can't get when you're living in your flesh. It's the absolute truth. You just cannot get the kind of shalom and peace and wholeness with the Ruach HaKodesh within you, knowing that everything that you need is provided by Yah and you don't need anything else. There's no shiny thing. There's no shoes. There's no jewelry. There's none of these things that are going to make me any happier than how I am right now with my, my Messiah and my Yahweh and the Ruach HaKodesh. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. Ooh, Lisa's got a good comment there. The deception of Christmas have such deep spirit and emotional strongholds that make it so difficult to have eyes open to. The truth is such a bright light that brings willful blindness. Yes. And that's why I call the lights of Christmas a false light. It is a false light and it's taking, um, it's, it's stealing the children of Yahweh. 
It really is. And they don't even know what they're participating in. That's why we wanted to do this. You know, I'm not saying you can't have fun with your children. I know people think we're just weird and don't want to have fun. That has absolutely nothing to do with anything. It has to do with y'all comes first in my life. And, and he should be first in all of our lives because he gave us life everlasting through Messiah. And we love Messiah. And we should be teaching our children the truth of Messiah instead of the lies of Santa. I almost said Satan. <laughs> yeah, Shells loves my quote. I love chocolate. I hate evil. That's so true. I love chocolate and I hate evil. And I have been working on that shirt. <laughs> I have been working on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with giving gifts. You know, that's probably one of the things that people fear the most about giving up Christmas is well, all these presents that I won't get anymore. You know, you can give gifts. Yeah. There's 365 days to give a gift, to show somebody that you appreciate them or love them. Don't do it on the month where it's stressful and almost obligatory to give someone a gift. You know, the meaning is lacking, you know, surprise them with that. If, yeah. if you don't want to get rid of that part of your life, you know, find another time to, to bless somebody with something. But, you know, we just want to shine that light on what is really a dark time of the year. Yeah. And just be honest with your family and kids, be honest. Mm -hmm. And if they choose not to hear you or it makes them uh, feel like there's a wedge between you, I'm sorry. I understand that feeling, but you know what? You are to love Yahweh more than anything else. And it's hard. It is hard. We can love our friends and family love them. Absolutely love them. I love mine. I don't care what they do, but I love them. I just need them to understand why it is I make this choice and I make this stand and I stand on the rock of Messiah. I stand firmly on the rock of Messiah. And, and I'm not going to sway whether Hasatan takes my friends or family away or not, you know? Yeah, thank you, everybody. Regina, we will be keeping you in prayer as Absolutely. you go into the world and work, have to deal with this, the the music and this, the decorations everywhere. It's just slathered on every street and every store and in everyone's home. And it is a difficult month for us that are on this narrow path, avoiding these things. And right. so we do keep all of you in prayer. We do. Uh, we lift all of you up. We're just so thankful for your time that you spent with us Don't here. We have a little thing after we this. We do have one more <laughs> little video that we thought would be well to end with. And if you want to share this video out with your friends or family, we would appreciate that so much. But if anything, share this video that we've got here. Um, and I'm clapping for up. you, Robert. Robert said he finally told his mom and sister that he was not participating anymore in Christmas, and they understood. And I'm so happy and thankful for that. Yeah, this is a wonderful comment from Amanda. We showered gifts on our littles for Passover to signify the Israelites leaving Egypt with all, with the, all the treasures of Egypt. Yes, that is really That's a, a great joyous, idea. Yes. joyous day to celebrate. It we is. Love that. So. If you're struggling to reach your friends or family about Better this Christian. pagan tradition, they don't want to let go. They don't understand this right here. Their beloved Pat, Pat Robinson, Robinson. 
I guess the 700 Club, TBN, very well known in the Christian ministry. He sums it up and he just lets it, lets the truth go. So we're going to share this and then we'll end. We're just so thankful for everybody that tuned in and we hope that you do have a blessed week. Stay strong this month. Oh, and Shell. Yeah, and we do have an announcement. You can share it if you'd like. So, uh, Shell will be joining Dr. Pigeon tonight uh, for a panel show. And I'm sorry, I cannot remember. I believe it's called The Dig. It's the a, Dig, a but who else was on, on there with them? With John Barr, I believe. Okay, John Barr, Shell, and Dr. Pigeon. And it'll be on at. 8 Eastern, uh, 7 p.m. Central Time mm-hmm. on Dr. Pigeon's, Stephen uh, Pigeon's YouTube. YouTube. So we're very excited about that. I will try to get that link onto our Telegram groups as soon as we're finished. So you can click there for that. And we're very excited about that. Um, but here is this clip by Pat Robertson that's going to just sum up perfectly. I hope you do share this with your family uh, so they can see this your friends or family that might be on the on the ledge about Christmas. I hope you guys can hear this. I didn't set it up as normal, but I will have the link to this video in our description right. if you want to send that out. So let me get it going. Let us know if you can hear it when it starts. David, who says, we have friends who do not celebrate Christmas because they say December 25th is really a pagan holiday. While I agree that Jesus may not have been born on December 25th, he certainly was born as described in the Bible. How do I respond to them? Well, in a sense, tell them they're right. Uh, you see, the, the, the winter solstice a couple of days later was the shortest day of the year, and the pagans had something called Saturnalia. And it was a time of lawlessness because all the laws were suspended. And people, the, a bunch of singers were actually wandering the streets naked singing. And, and then they had orgies, sexual orgies. It was a mass thing. Well, when the Catholic Church came along in Italy, the, the Romans and others didn't want to give up their holidays. So they said, okay, we'll Christianize it. And uh, so they said, okay, we'll say the birth of Jesus with the 25th of December. They, and then there was a, a monk who began to add it up. You see, uh, if you read in Luke, it, it says there's a census taken when Quirinius was governor and so forth and so on. And uh, they, they could take those leaders and figure the exact time dating from the foundation of Rome. And that's when the dates were established. And so they get pretty close to the date, but uh, to say it's the 25th shepherds were out abiding in the field, it gets a little cold at night. I mean, were they out there in the middle of winter? Uh, you know, I don't know. Would, like, I've been out there on the shepherd's field and on you know, Christmas Eve, it's very nice, but it's yeah, cold. That's it. uh, nevertheless, I mean, what was going on? So all this business about mistletoe, pagan, Christmas trees, pagan, giving out gifts, pagan, Every bit of it is pagan. Every single bit of it is pagan. We've Christianized it all. And uh, so that's good. And so we have time. We celebrate for Jesus. Everybody gets all messed together. But the truth <laughs> is, they're all pagan. Okay, With the birth the of Jesus. But the intent of the heart is what it's about. Exactly. So we have. Well, there you got it. It's all pagan. Uh-
course, getting spammed at the, at the very, very end. end. We rebuke you, spammers. Shame on you. All right. <laughs> well, that does it for us. We do appreciate all of you joining in today. We hope this was a blessing. We hope that you have a blessed week. And stay tuned. We'll see you again next week. Shalom. Shalom.